With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. And a good Saturday evening, wherever you're checking us out on the BetQL Network with producer Jake Nowicker and my co-host Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, and man, what a card we saw last Saturday night at UFC 290. We're going to break it down here for the next couple of hours. We'll talk about the card tonight, some future bets, and try to make some money here. We're going to bring on Andrew Gombas, and Dia Davis is going to join us. If you know the name and you're going Dia Davis, he's the boxing coach, the head boxing coach of what used to be Amanda Nunes, Dustin Poirier. We're going to bring him on coming on in a little while. But first, let's bring on my co-host, Brendan Tobin, down there in Miami, where, dude, that might have been the best card. I'm trying to think. Top to bottom, that 290 was one of the best cards that I've ever seen and lived up to the hype. Not even exactly sure where to start, so let's just go ahead and start with the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez. Yair gave him everything he could for three rounds. Volk ended up winning by TKO in the third. I think the question now becomes not only how good Volkanovsky is present day, but where he is in the all-time picture. Like, they can keep lining up these dudes, and he's just going to keep beating them. Yeah, his confidence just looks at another level right now, dude. I, I'm I'm completely with you that this guy is getting into all-time status. Um, you know, he he reminds me almost of what Khabib was going through, but yeah. it doesn't seem like he's ready to end his reign anytime soon. That he's just getting more dominant. He's winning these fights however he wants to. Hell, you and I both think that he should be a two-division champion right now. Um and, you know, these featherweights just look like they got nothing for him. And, and Yair, super dangerous. You know, you got to be so wary of his striking. But Volkanovski is just not phased by any style, any danger in any one of these fights. And it's almost like he picks these guys up like they're little kids and just can do whatever he wants with them, just slams them, finishes them. Um, the guy the guy is definitely etching himself in uh, as an all-time great in this sport, and it's been thrilling to watch. I'll raise you a Khabib with a GSP. He's kind of having a GSP type career at this point, man. Yeah, I mean, GSP, I, I think definitely from the standpoint of versatility, because I think we always knew that Khabib would, you know, we knew Khabib's path to victory. I think Volk is definitely going in there and he's kind of diversifying a little bit. So that's a good call by you. But look, man, even, even GSP, like there was a little bit of wear down factor and I think people, I think, you know, even on the most hardcore MMA fan could admit that GSP was a bit of a neutralizer at times. Some of his fights weren't that thrilling. I feel like Volkanovsky, like, you know, how many boring fights is the guy in? The guy, the guy is usually in a, you know, the Holloway fights were, were razor close. Uh, you know, the drama that he had against Ortega, the throttling that he gave on Korean Zombie. And now this, I mean, the guy has just been so exciting every single time he steps in that octagon and just seems like he is getting better every single time. 
gets into a little impromptu face-off with Ilya Teporia afterwards. So all all that waxing poetic you just did about Volk, I assume you don't think Teporia stands a chance. I just think it's too soon. I know there, you know, he's kind of like the darling of everybody to say that he's going to step in there and do it. And you know, Teporia. I just feel like it's, you know what, man, I almost feel like it's just too much too soon. You know, like I know that he is benefiting a little bit from having a division that's kind of cleared out. And so you'll see this Well, we'll see divisions where guys have to be guy after guy, after guy, after guy, and you'll never get a title shot or you have to wait for your title shot. And then you have some weight classes like this or 185 where you have two very dominant champions. So maybe you're getting that title shot a little too soon and so i think with taporia you know i just feel like this might be too big a leap up i'm not saying he doesn't have the skill set but doesn't it seem like it's it's coming at him a little too fast it does my guy but i would say the exact opposite i mean brian ortega was a seasoned veteran max holloway we saw him fight him three times korean zombie had been fighting for 13 years in the promotion so i don't necessarily think experience is the path to beat alexander volkanovsky but then again you look at a guy like yair that we saw last saturday night and he can beat you in a million ways so i think what the, we're trying to come to an answer that there isn't one you pointed out to me earlier that he's now the co-number one pound for pound fighter in the world along with john jones i know that's not your thing it's more my thing just because it's cool to be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world that is a hell of a title to have he deserves it, man. He deserves it. And his place in the all-time conversation probably should have began a couple of years ago when he was taking out Max for the third time, what he's been able to do the last couple of years. And as you point out, we both think he beat Islam. That's what they need to do, right? They just need to run it back against Islam. And if he beats Islam, let me let me, let me, let me peel that back for a second. Let's say that happens. Let's say he beats up Ilya Teporia. We'll see what happens with Islam and Olives. And let's say Islam is there let's call it eight months from now everybody's healthy full camps what do you think the odds look like because we saw that fight happen same weight we saw we saw the fight happen we both agree the volkanovsky won three rounds to two our votes don't matter because the three judges said otherwise i think that volk is still an underdog in that fight but barely Totally agree. Fair. I mean, like we we both. I think one of the reasons we both bet on Volkanovski that night is because we never get Volkanovski at that number. Great odds. Um, yeah. You know, so it's not going to be that. I mean, everybody saw the fight now, so we're going to be left with the impression, even if he goes out and Islam throttles Oliveira again, or if he beats Poirier, I still yeah. feel like Volkanovski is going to have the respect of everybody now. The second time around, you know. I don't know if it'll be pick him, but I think I'm with you. He'll be a slight dog. And I think I'll take him. Like, I, I mean, like, I'm not going to go into that uh, feeling like Islam's going to have this vast improvement no matter what he does. We've seen the fight. We've seen it over five rounds. It's a pretty even match. Um, maybe some people feel like Islam is still getting that experience too. He's still getting his feet under him because he hasn't really taken on as good as he is, he really hasn't taken on that much elite competition in the octagon. So maybe there's some thought that there's improvement there. But I don't know, man. I think the, the styles make fights. And I think ultimately we saw it. It was a very, very close matchup. And I think uh, I would definitely, if, if I'm getting plus money on Volkanovsky, I'm definitely going with him. I think that should be basically be a, should basically be a rule going forward. <laughs> more you talk i think it might be a pick because everybody's gonna have the same thought process you just had which is all these different good things about volkanovsky maybe islam's there for the taking i'm ready for it man i'm ready for that one to see it again because nobody else even has a chance 
to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. All right, last Saturday, if you were listening to the show, at the end, before every pay-per-view, we do the same thing. It's called Method to the Madness, and we tell you who's going to win, how they're going to win, what round. Bro, you hit a couple of them. Like, you told me that um, – which ones did you hit? Refresh my memory. You had uh, – Hit Bo Knockout, hit Dan Hooker. Um, so, you, were, you, you, you hit a couple. Producer Jake hit a couple. Dude, I hit Pantosia. four out of the five, I think, if not four out of the six. I was hotter than Farrah Fawcett in a forest fire. If you just did what I said, you made some money last week because we predicted a bunch of finishes, as we always do, and there were a lot of them. Let's start with yeah. the one that we all had. You guys talked me into it. You guys were both your conviction about Robbie Lawler was going to win that fight by knockout. I had to go with my guys, so we did clean sweep the three of us I don't think any of us thought it was going to happen in the fashion that it did, where the walkout was incredible. He basically teared up on the way out. He gets into the octagon, stomps his foot down, as you like to say, goosies for everybody watching that, and then knocks out Nico Price in less than a minute. Walk off, knock off, walk off, knock off, knock out to finish your career. I mean, just unbelievable. Then they play that clip inside the octagon. Dude, I'm getting the Goosey's talking about, so take it away. It's Goosey's galore, dude. I mean, like, it really was. I mean, you first of all, a guy as tough as Robbie Lawler, you see him start getting the the tear rolling down the eye. You know, I don't know. I asked him that. We that. brought him on the show. I asked him, I said, what are the odds that you cry in the octagon? And he was like, oh, he gave me a tough guy answer. He's like, oh, I've been in here for a long time. He, he, he didn't cried. want to. Like, it the got odds, to him. He didn't want Listen. to. I think he, he gathered to, himself man. by the time. Yeah, by the time Rogan got to that question after the montage, like he he definitely uh, I think had gathered himself a little bit more. Thankfully, I think if it was if it was a shorter video, maybe we do get Robbie balling on TV. But it was it, it, dude, like it's just so cool because everybody loves him. You know, um, you know, just an absolute guy who's done everything, a champion, a Hall of Famer, um, and everybody just has nothing but the best things to say about Robbie Lawler. So you like to see good guys in the game get to have great stuff happen to them. And so for him to go out like that is incredible. I hope that he doesn't get lured back because it's the perfect way to go out. Um, you know, I'm sure that itch will be there because of the way that you go out. I think that's just the natural thing with the sport. But it was perfect, man. It was It was perfect in every way, and I'm very, very happy for him that he got that moment. He was one of four underdogs to pay out in the, if you want to talk about, so he was the last card before the main card. And then if you want to put the main on top of that, because you had Dan Hooker underdog money, you had Pantoja paying underdog money, you had Duplessis at underdog money. And then as we all called Robbie Lawler by knockout at BetMGM. If you listen to us, you got paid four to one. So congratulations on that one. An absolutely epic night. And the timing was really cool too, only because we brought on Robbie Middle of the week, you and I interviewed him, and then we played it, and it happened to be like 20, 30 minutes right before he walked out and did the fight. So it, the, the timing worked out great, not just for us and the show, but for Robbie and the promotion. It was a great night. Also a great night for one Bo Nickel, and I hate to say I told you guys, but I have to kind of do it. I told you so. I remember you were laughing at me, BT. You were gawking at me. You said, oh, you can't get good enough money. What are you doing? I said, dude. I know it's crazy, but Bet MGM has Bo Nickel to win this fight in less than 60 seconds. You go, what are the odds? I go, plus 150. Yeah, that's not good enough for me. I'm not going to take that bet. I said, dude, do it. It's easy money. It's free money. I didn't think he was going to do it the way he did. Knocked old boy out in less than a minute. We got paid again, dude. 
I understand it's still just not, a, it wasn't enough money for 60 seconds. It's a ridiculous number that they're putting on him for, for doing a minute of work. Like you could just like, kind of look at a guy for 40 a minute seconds in the, in the, uh, in the cage, but the guy's awesome. I mean, like he goes out there, uh, good to see him do it with his hands and, and do it in that fashion. I think that that was uh, an impressive thing to see with Bo nickel, you know, there's something about him. I mean, like he's just got that it factor. Um, but a very calm demeanor about everything too. Like he is, I think he feels that he could go out there and beat anybody in the middleweight division, but he's not rushing it because he knows, you know, maybe this stuff does take a little time to season and let the hype train build on him even more and more and more, especially with these fights just being really, really fast. But Hey man, I don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't have a number next to their name anymore. I don't really see the point in them facing him. I think that the guy does have to get thrown. I don't necessarily know in the deep end, but you got to take the swimmies off. You know, like I think it's time to let him let him peruse in the pool a little bit and uh, and see what he can do. I'm ready. I'm ready to see what what Bo Nickel can do against guys who are a little bit more established. Um, and and then we can kind of count down as to when this guy is a true contender. Um, but but. I mean, come on, man. I mean, how how are you not impressed with everything this guy has done so far in his career? Floaties is what we call those things here in the Midwest. And, yeah, I'm with mm -hmm. you, dude. I do think that Bo Nickel, you talk about, you know, the train the train is out of the tracks, man, and it is speeding, and he can beat anybody, so let's not slow roll this guy. It's a little different with Bo Nickel than other guys, right? Other guys come into the promotion, and I get it. He had to fight his way. What was he, contender series? They made him fight yep. a couple of separate times. You know, I get it. it you, whether you come through the tough house or whether you come from a different promotion, all these guys have different paths. I talked about this last week, that maybe outside of Henry Cejudo and Ben Askren, he's the most credentialed wrestler to ever step into the octagon. So it's a little bit different than all these other guys. He also fought at Penn State, where if you don't know their wrestling program, there's like 16,000 people to watch him for every single match. So it's not like the lights were ever going to be too bright for him. For Bo Nickel, I think it's different than other guys. Let's just get him in there. He should be a fight or two away from fighting for the belt. I'm with you. Like, look, a lot of fan, you know, fans will probably compare it to Sean O'Malley, a guy we talk about plenty, and Sean definitely slow-rolled it. But I He's, think he's ahead team. of him, though. When he, when, when he got to the party, he was ahead of him. Bo Nickel was well, older. I mean, yeah, he's older as far as the pro is concerned, but he also just, he has that, what you mentioned, the wrestling background. Like you're not just going in there trying to knock everybody's head off. He does have a good base that not necessarily everybody has when they come into this thing. Like there's not going to be many guys who can wrestle with him. So I think he'll be fine when he gets in there with real contenders. And I know that Sean's play was a money thing too. Like he, he wanted to get his contract up before he was taking on real guys. Maybe Bo will go that direction, but as far as talent's concerned, the dude's ready. I mean, he's ready, ready to get in there with the real guys. What a card it was, man. Bo Nickel in less than a minute. Robbie Lawler in less than a minute. Both by knockout, by the way. We haven't even talked about Drakus Duplessis. Told you so. Taking out Robert Whitaker. And, you know, that one took some uh, some brass from your boy because we brought Robert Whitaker on the show and I told people to bet against him. We hit that one. All right, I'll stop patting myself on the back. Uh, Pantoja, underdog money, took out Moreno by decision. And Dan Hooker took the hardest kick to the head that I've ever seen. Oof. I think would have taken out a horse and somehow survived. We got a lot to get to here. Keep it right here. You're locked into the BetQL Network.